in negotiation, you've got to be very strategic. And there are moments where you have to operate in a way that's uncomfortable. Welcome to the Business Made Simple podcast brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. I'm your host, Donald Miller. Today, we're going to talk about sleepless nights. We've got John Lowry, who helps you sleep. And we're not talking about sleep at all. We're talking about negotiations. Peace of mind. Peace of mind. I think nine out of the 10 sleepless nights, and I'm talking about waking up at 3 a.m. and realizing you're going to have to go in the living room and pace this one out You know, while you're thinking through it, have come down to being thrown into the deep end of a swimming pool and not knowing how to swim. And I'm talking about negotiation. I mean, an employee you know, brings another offer. You know, They've got another offer from somebody else, and you don't quite know if you can afford to match it talking about a client wants a service at half the price that uh, you think you're going to be able to deliver it, but you don't want to lose the client. You know, on and on, we find ourselves in these situations and they cause enormous amounts of stress. Today, we're talking about negotiation. And as you already have heard, I've got my friend John Lowry on the set of the Business Made Simple podcast today. He's written a book called Negotiation Made Simple. On this episode, we're going to talk about how to negotiate in such a way that you don't lose your mind or your money in the process. You know it, and we know it. Next year is creeping up quick. So if you want to win inside your niche in 2024, you need tech that puts you in the pilot seat. Collaborate on every inch of the customer journey inside the new HubSpot sales hub. With a comprehensive prospecting workspace and powerful sales analytics tools, all your data is connected across teams, so leads never slip through the cracks. HubSpot Sales Hub also lets you accelerate every facet of your sales operation with precision. And with over 1,400 integrations, there are tons of ways to mix in new features. So finish out the fourth quarter strong and gear up for the new year with HubSpot Sales Hub. Learn more at hubspot.com sales. Let's go back to, you know, let everybody know how this all got started. I actually paid, I think, 800 bucks or something like that to attend your negotiation training. That, when was that? How many years ago? Oh, that would have been back in like 2015, 2016. Yeah, I was thinking like it was that. like it six was or seven ago. years. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I was excited about it, but I had no idea what I was really getting into in terms of how unbelievably practical it would be. And not only that, but how ideas that you shared in that training were so foundational, they were unforgettable. I mean, when I heard them, my view of the world changed immediately. And I share in the foreword for your book, by the way, thanks for asking me to write the foreword for it. That's an honor. But I, I shared in the foreword of the book that I think the weekend after I took your course, I saved $800 on a riding lawnmower. <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I remember pretty much almost paying off whatever I paid. And then, no kidding, within a year, certainly within two years, used your negotiation tactics to buy a piece of land that we now have a dream house on and got the land for $800,000 under the asking price of the land. And so 1,000x return on my investment, and that was just the beginning. It kept going on after that and after that. I don't want to even say I know how to negotiate. What I know is some foundational principles that just change the way I actually approach the entire methodology of negotiation. I love this so much that I asked you to film a course for our online platform, and then that course did so well. I just kind of said, John, will you please write it down in a book? 
I've said that to 100 people. Hardly anybody follows through. And here I am holding your book. So congratulations on this. Congratulations on getting it done. I want to know, though, you know, you've done a lot of things in your life. Why have you focused so much on teaching people how to negotiate? Well, it's really because of stories like you just told on, just having people understand the process that they use to pursue their dreams, to build their businesses, to make more money. Uh, all of those things are a result of a negotiation process. Yeah. And what I find, similar to the experience that you had when you came to the course, is you know, you look at negotiation and yeah, that's something you have to do every once in a while when you go buy a car or maybe it's something you have to do with a customer every once in a while that wants a discount or something along those lines. But the reality is, is that negotiation is something that people do every single day. They just don't see themselves as negotiators. So they don't understand that like, they're Like, give me an engaged. example. What, how are we negotiating every single day? What, what is, what is that, where does that look like? Where does it play out? So the way that I define negotiation is a strategic communication process to get a deal or to solve a problem. And so if you think about that and reflect on that definition for a little bit, just go to your email inbox and just look at all your emails. You're going to have thousands of them in there. Look at how many of those emails are inviting you into a communication process to get a deal or to solve a problem. It's almost every single yeah. one of them, yeah. especially if you work with people or you're a manager, or you're uh, in business development or sales. I mean, that's all you're doing. Every hiring is a negotiation. Absolutely. Every time you let somebody go, you're negotiating the, the deal points on that transaction. Every time you hire somebody to do your lawn, you know, you're negotiating. Heck, man, I mean, where we're going to eat dinner tonight with your spouse is There's <laughs> a negotiation, negotiation right there. I tend to lose on that one. Yeah. The <laughs> well, it's always good to lose on those because it's strategic, right? Uh, but that's what I, I want people to see. And, and what I found is that the people that understand that they're involved in a negotiation, they will be more open to thinking strategically about how to manage it. Talk to me about that, thinking strategically, because I think a lot of us when we think of ourselves as moving into a negotiation, we become very intimidated. I mean, we, we think, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, I'm out of my element here. And that, that is what got taken away from me instantly when I took your course. And the same thing will happen to you when you re read this book, Negotiation Made Simple. That intimidation is instantly gone because, mainly because you realize you're actually not in much of a fight here. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not like that. That's not what negotiations look. That, that's great for Hollywood when you're watching some sort of movie. But that's not how actual real negotiations work. Just say something, if you would, to anybody who feels intimidated by the topic of negotiation or having to move into one. The way I love to do that is to ask people to fold their arms. So this is going to be an interactive podcast. Okay. And so everyone, if you're listening or watching, just fold your arms. Unless you're driving. Uh, unless you're driving, yeah. Then uh, keep, keep at least <laughs> one arm on the wheel. Uh, but then really the idea here is to say, okay, we've all folded our arms. We've all done it in a way that we're comfortable doing. But now what I want you to do is to put the arm that is on the bottom to put it on top. Okay. So when you do that, it's a little tough getting there. Yeah, even you're struggling to be like, where yeah, does, yeah. how does it go? How does it know happen? If I did it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so you kind of reflect on how you feel right now. It feels very uncomfortable. Uh, this doesn't feel right at all. But the reality is, is that there is a different way to do it. And so what I've found is that people have a natural way of engaging this process, just like we have a natural way of folding our arms. But there are moments where that natural way is not the right way. 
And so that's where in negotiation, you've got to be very strategic. And there are moments where, yes, you have to operate in a way that's uncomfortable, but it's the right way in order to achieve the objective. So for example, the biggest mistake I see made is that people come in cooperatively to a very competitive negotiation. Yeah, this was, this was probably the biggest paradigm shift for me in your material, is that there are actually, would you say, only two types of negotiations that happen, competitive and cooperative? Yeah, there's a spectrum. And the reality is, is that those competitive and cooperative dynamics, they actually change in the context of the same negotiation. There are some negotiations that start out very cooperative and they go down that road for a while and all of a sudden they start to get more competitive and then you just can't turn off the competition. And by the time you get done with that, you're like, I will never do business here again (laughs) or with this person again. There are other negotiations that you realize there's not a deal to be had competitively. And so you have to go a different direction. You have to be more cooperative. And so what happens is, is that people are naturally one way, but they haven't built up the skill to operate in a different way. And so they end up getting exploited or they end up not getting the deal or they end up suffering the ramifications of the problem. Whereas if they build the skill to where they can say, aha, I know know what I'm dealing with here and I know how to deal with it. Now, all of a sudden, that problem gets solved. That deal gets done. That success gets achieved. And that's what this book is about. And what I've tried to do is to take a lot of very complex, researched, evidence-based rules and practices of negotiation. And I've tried to make it really, really simple for people Mm -hmm. to say, here are just the things you need to think about. There's a lot of research behind this. But if you remember just these steps and these things, you can make a big difference in your success, not only in your career, but in life as well. John, I want to go back to competitive versus cooperative because, again, you know, it was just groundbreaking for me. I am a win-win guy, yeah. and everywhere I go, I'm looking for mutual wins. I didn't even think there was another way of doing life. Uh, it, it's that hardwired in me. And most of the time, that works really, really well for me. But there have been times in my life when I'm up against somebody and it's very clear they're not actually interested in handing me any sort of win at all. And those people have always baffled me. I've always thought of them as uh, as sort of villains and bullies. And you completely changed my perspective on that person. So I I don't think of them as bullies or villains anymore. I just think they see the world differently. What I mean is there are negotiators that you come up against and they don't just want to win. They actually don't feel like they've won unless you lose. And they need a win-lose scenario, and they need to be the ones who win. And what I found was it's actually a great service to them, because of your teaching, to let them know you're losing. You know, it's like, let's say we, we want something, and I want it for 100 bucks, and, and they want to sell it for 1000 bucks. And in the old days, I would just have to pay 1000 bucks because they're just not going to come toward me on 500 And it's the equivalent of saying, look, 500 is all I've got. I'm I'm unwilling to spend anything else on this. You have taken me for every dollar I have. And in fact, uh, I really can't even afford to spend this 500 bucks. That's what they're actually looking for. And and instead of saying, well, you know, let's meet in the middle. They don't want to meet in the middle. They, They want every penny they can get out of you. And you changed my whole strategy Because I'll be in a win-win scenario. I'm always in a win-win scenario sort of mindset. And when I realize, oh, 
they're actually competitive and not cooperative, I completely switch tactics. And, I, and it's almost like I'm speaking their language. You tell this story in the book about buying a car, that you and your wife go in and you buy a car, <laughs> yeah. and you are talking to a, a win-win salesperson, but you are taking the competitive approach. And talk to me about what finally got that deal done. It's a great story. I think it illustrates it perfectly well. Yeah, that story is a fun story. What you're talking about is, as you think about negotiation, there is perception and there is reality. And that's true when it comes to how people feel they're doing in the deal. And so the reality is, is that there are some deals that substantively, and if you looked at them objectively, are not great deals. But because the people who are on the other side of that deal, because of the way the process got set up, they feel great about it. Even though it's not a great deal for them, they feel like they're achieving a win. On the flip side, and this is where the car story comes in, you have to understand how to manage that psychology carefully because you can set up a moment to where you don't give people the win. And when you don't give them the win, they will actually be more competitive right. trying to get the win. Right. And so the story that you reference is really the first ever new car I ever bought. And I had graduated law school. My wife had graduated business school. She's driving this old beat up Honda Accord and was like, can we get a new car? I said, absolutely. We can get a new car. So being the negotiation professional in the household, I told her I'd handle this, right? <laughs> so I call all these dealerships, I finally get these three dealerships kind of into a bidding war over the phone. And I told the dealerships, I'm going to go to the dealership that gives me the best price over the phone. And so I finally get it into a two-man race and we have a, we have a winner. So I go into this dealership and I drive this old Honda down there and my wife's with me. And she's very much a cooperative, win-win kind of person, mm -hmm. right? But I'm going in there and I want the best deal that I can get. And I'm pretty dedicated to that. So I walk into that dealership and I meet this sales manager and we start the conversation. And I tell him, I say, I need $500 more off the price of this car to know that I'm getting the absolute best deal possible. So he says, all right, well, give me a minute. I'll be back. Goes off for a little while. He comes back. He says, if it means we get your business, I'll give you $500 more off the price of the car right now. Now, he's trying to do it to accommodate what That's I've right. asked. That's right. But notice by him doing it, he's not helping me get to where I want to get. Right. The way that he helps me get to where I want to get is when he actually says no, not when he says yes. So now I'm like, oh, I still don't have him to his bottom line. I still don't have the best deal. So I was like, ah, okay. The trade-in is where he's going to try to get me. So I tell him about this old Honda. I tell him I need 3,500 bucks out of this old Honda. He goes out, looks at it, appraises it, comes back. He says, Mr. Lowry, uh, that old Honda is probably not worth 3,500 bucks, but we can make the numbers work. We can give you 3,500 bucks if it means we get your business today. So here again, <laughs> I need to know, and he's given me you a need yes. to know that he's at the bottom, that he can't go any further. That's right. So I thought we'd get it on the financing. Uh, I was pre-approved by the credit union and uh, at like 4.7%, fill out the credit app. He comes back. I can finance you today for 4.3. Still didn't give it to me. So now I'm stuck because I don't know where to go. I'm out of things to negotiate. That's right. But I haven't got them to the bottom. And so this is where my wife thought I lost it. <laughs> but I went and got an accessories book and I had her pick something out. So she picked out the trunk mat. And I was like, perfect, that's all I need. 
So I bring the guy back and I was like, look, we're getting close to a deal, but I noticed that car doesn't have a trunk mat. And he's like, what? Like, that's what's holding this up? I said, yep. So he goes, and I kid you not, like three minutes later he comes, he's got the trunk mat under his arm and he puts it right <laughs> on the table. And I was like, oh my goodness, I still don't have what I need. So I tell her to pick something else out. She picks out the fog lights. So I tell him, hey, look, this car needs fog lights. He's like, we're in Texas. There's no fog here. I was like, it doesn't matter. It's got to have the fog lights. So finally he comes back and he says, look, it's like 700 bucks to take the bumper off and put the fog lights on. I'll do it for 350 can we split it? And in that moment, I got half of what I needed, right. which was the no. And so I told him to forget the fog lights and let's do the deal. But that's the thing that is so fun about this process when you really get in it and understand it is you can become so skillful at it to where you understand that the most cooperative move that you can make is to actually say no, not say yes. Right. Because right. of what you give people psychologically in terms of a victory. And the beauty of that is the earlier you do it, the more money you make or the less money you'll save. And you'll still provide the other side what they need. Success Story hosted by Scott D. Clary is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Success Story features Q&A sessions with successful business leaders, keynote presentations, and conversations on sales, marketing, business, startups, and entrepreneurship. In a recent episode, Scott talks with Jason Hansen, founder of Spy Escape and Evasion. Take a listen because Jason shares his success story on creating a business that's rooted in his passion for teaching ordinary people how to protect themselves and their families from danger through courses, products, and online resources. So go listen to Success Story wherever you get your podcasts. And now back to the show. In chapter two of the book, you talk about strategy winning. How much, you know, understanding this competitive or, or cooperative negotiator is part of that. Yeah. But define strategy as it relates to negotiation. Yeah. So really strategy comes down to how you manage the process. And in negotiation, there's process and there's substance. And so many times people focus on the substance. And a lot of what's been written about negotiation has been focused on the substance as it's well. It's tricks and, and techniques. And yeah. It, for instance, um, there's a popular concept in negotiation called BATNA, your best alternative to a negotiated agreement. That's language in negotiation that's very popular. But it has everything to do with substance. And that is, you know, build up better substantive alternatives and you'll have more leverage. And that's true. I think, though, the answer is actually in managing the process more strategically. And here's why. Let's assume that you have the right answer. So if we go back into our car buying scenario for just a second, you know what the value of the car is. As a dealer, you know what you paid for it. You know what kind of profit you want to make off of it. I mean, you know what the right price to the car is. That's not the hard part. The hard part is getting a customer to agree to that price. That's the process. And that's what they manage really, really well. And that's what they do to make their money. Same is true for a smaller business owner in terms of thinking about, okay, there is the substance of my business, but then there is also the process in which I am going to deliver that product or deliver that service. And mastering that process in terms of strategically how do you get your customer to that place where they will see tremendous value, you will make money, 
and you will deliver your product and service within the context of that business relationship and hopefully do it again and again and again. Give That's give what we're trying to do. Give me some examples of, you know, are you talking about like the number of meetings or when you meet or how long these meetings are or what you bring to the first meeting and the second meeting and third meeting? Are you, is that what you mean when you're talking about strategy? Well, really strategy, when we're thinking about the process, it goes back to what we were talking about from a psychological standpoint. So for example, like the opening offer is a great example. Yeah. You know, what you see out there is there are some companies that they won't negotiate. And so they set the price. And this is primarily for like high value items. Right. It's not for toothpaste. Okay. Right. But they set the price and then they say, no, no, Don, like that's the price. You're like, well, you know, I, what? And you're like, no, 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 it's the price. And so what happens there is when you set the price and you stick to it, the other side, after you tell them three or four times that we don't negotiate, that's the price they end up feeling like they've lost because there's no flexibility. There's no special deal for me. There's, there's a way in which you can set things up to where you ask for a little more, but you set things up to where you're willing to give people a bit of a deal. And so when they come back and say, hey, I'm a repeat customer or I've been a client for years, is there something you can do for me here? Giving yourself room to make a concession it does two things. Number one, by giving yourself room, you can make the concession and you're not giving away your profits. You've set the process up to make a concession and you still make a lot of money. Right. But what you've done is you've also made an investment in the relationship with the other side. You've given them a sense of victory. You've given them a win in terms of hooking them up with a deal. And that can be really, really good. Same thing applies in terms of employees to where you know, employees setting the process up, whether it be, you know, a salary negotiation, for example, and setting them up to where at the end of the day, maybe the employee didn't get all that he or she wanted. But because of the way you set the process up in terms of saying, listen, you know, they told us we only had this much to give in terms of a, a, a raise pool, but I was able to get you a little bit more. I know it's not what you're asking, but it's more than what the company was prepared to give because I appreciate you so much and what you're doing. Now, all of a sudden they're getting less, but they feel really good about right, it. Right. That's good strategy. That's good process management. And that's, that's what this book's all about. There's different schools of thought on who should open the negotiation. You come down pretty hard on you should open the negotiation. You should put the first you know, deal points on the table. Why that instead of finding out where they are? Let's say, let's say it's economic. Why should you make the first offer when you can find out where they are and what world they're in if they make the first offer? So it's a strategic decision. And the reason I come down hard is because I've got to fight conventional wisdom a little bit. And conventional wisdom is you let the other side make the opening offer. Uh, a lot of sales training has taught that. And really the purpose of that is really to allow some discovery to happen, which is important, but it's not good from a psychology standpoint. And so the two things that you weigh in terms of whether to put the first number on the table or not is you have to weigh influence and information. And you've got to decide what's most important to you. If influence is most important to you, then you want to put the first number on the table. Define influence. Uh, influence is anchoring, the anchoring your ability to psychologically make people feel good about the ultimate deal, the end deal. If that's what is most important to you in terms of setting them up to feel good about that end deal, 
then your number one opportunity to do that is the opening offer. And don't miss it. That's the thing that people miss it too often because they want information. And typically what people want information for is they want information to determine where they should start. Now, if you're going up against a really savvy negotiator, you know what that means? Is that you will be influenced by the information that they give you. And I've seen it happen all the time, even with the most sophisticated negotiators, to where, well, we were gonna do this, but they asked for this, so now we're gonna have to do more. Right. And in that moment, they just got influenced. And so it's a strategic decision, influence versus information. I tend to think that in most cases, that influence is more valuable to you than the information, which leads you to put the first number on the table. You talk about one of the things you want to do is concede with purpose. What do you mean by concede with purpose? I mean, if you're conceding the negotiation, how do you add purpose to that? Yeah. So negotiation will be typically a series of concessions. And so in the negotiation, you know, we've kind of got the aspiration. Okay. So in our car buying example, it's the MSRP, right? Uh, that little sticker price on the car. That's what they'd love to get for the car. And now in these days, they add to it, right? And they put another 10000 on. But in most normal markets, that's not what they expect to get for the car. And so we start with these aspirational positions. And then people start to get real. And they're making concessions. They're conceding. What I'm asking folks to do is to concede with purpose and the purpose is driving the number towards your number as opposed to it just allowing the process to meet in the middle. And what happens so often is people are like, well, they made a $250 move, so I'm going to make a $250 move. And the process just naturally gravitates towards the middle. But that's not the way it has to be, even though that's the way it normally works out. If you concede with purpose, then maybe the middle's great. If you set things up and the middle gets you the deal you want, if not, then you're going to have to be more careful, more intentional, more strategic in the concessions you make to drive the other side to the deal that you want. And that's really where the purpose comes in, is don't just let it play out, but drive it to where you want it to go. And you do that through your concessions. One of the more, I don't know, controversial chapters, or not necessarily controversial, but certainly differentiating in your style of negotiation is your emphasis on empathy. But talk to me about empathy and how you think, because most people don't think about empathy at all when you go into negotiation. Why is empathy so important from your perspective? Sure. Well, empathy is something that is not typically associated with negotiation, but it's starting to be associated with business a whole lot. Business carries out a lot of the human agenda, you might call it, uh, in terms of services and all of that kind of stuff. And so it's really important. And there's a marketing angle on this as well in terms of thinking about how it is that we truly understand the needs of people. And if we truly understand the needs of people, then we're in a very unique position to be creative in meeting those needs. And so as we think about that in the context of negotiation, what's going to happen is people in negotiation are going to take positions. And those are going to be how they articulate what they want. But what those positions don't do is they aren't a reflection of what they're really after. It's just how in someone's mind they have figured out, well, if I can get this, it helps me solve for this over here. The really sophisticated negotiators say, okay, your position is what your position is, but let me understand how you got there. Let me understand what's driving that. 
And now this becomes empathy. And so empathy around people's ego and their fears and their motives and their values and their relationships and their goals. When you get to this level of understanding of what's driving people, now all of a sudden your ability and your power as a negotiator has gone up dramatically. Because when we're talking about positions and you take an alternative position to their position, your, your adversaries, it's whose position is right. When you get down here, what I call transitioning from positions, and you get down to where you're talking about those things like ego and fear and all that kind of stuff, it's there you understand what the real problem is. Yeah, yeah. And now you've got an opportunity to do something creative about it. Whereas in the position, you're just locked into saying yes or no or coming up with an alternative. Yeah, it's been interesting in some negotiations, especially ones that are dealing with money. There's been times where it feels like with me, the negotiation has gone to you've got a high offer, I've got a low offer. And there have been times when I've said, well, wait, that's not the question. The question is, what do I actually owe you? Not where should we meet? What do I actually owe you? Yeah, and, sure. and what should you be paid? Mm-hmm. And then that's it for me. That's the number. We're not going to meet in the middle. We're not, this is what is, you know, justice demands that I pay you this or, or justice demands that you pay me that. And I think when I put on my empathy hat and I realize, oh, they're asking the wrong question. They're asking how much money can they get? Sure. And I'm not asking myself, how much money can I save or not give you? I'm mm-hmm. asking myself, what's the number that I need to pay you to make this right for me sure. and for the universe? And I don't really care if you want to fleece me because you're not going to do it. Uh, you know, it's, it's yeah. been interesting to sort of to know the mentality of your opponent and not fall into it, yeah. but actually do something else. I want to cover one last thing, and, and it's this was very influential to me when I took the course, but it was how to end a negotiation so that the person you're negotiating with is actually satisfied. I, I think it's a, there's some of us who get in a negotiation where we, we want to put a sharp stick in their eye and make sure that they know we won. You think that's pretty dumb, don't you? Yeah, there, there's, there's something that an old professor of mine named Peter Robinson, who was a great colleague, he described it as the good manners of negotiation. Hmm. And he says, the good manners of negotiation is to lament the deal. Instead of celebrating the deal and putting that in someone's face, to actually lament it because it will make them feel better about the deal. In doing so, especially in business and things like that, if they feel better about it, they'll come back for more, which is what you want from a business standpoint. But you raise this this notion of satisfaction, which is really important. And at the end of the day, that's really what we're trying to achieve with this process. And if you think about business today, you want your employees satisfied. You want your customers satisfied. You want your investors, your shareholders satisfied. There's a lot of stakeholders you have to satisfy as a business leader. And the reality is, is you're probably not always going to be able to exceed everyone's expectations, but you got to get them to a point to where they're satisfied. And so understanding satisfaction, kind of the unsophisticated leader, the unsophisticated business person will think it all comes from your product or service. If it's just delivered really well, then people should be satisfied. And I think there's actually two other elements that are more important. One is the process, what we just talked about in terms of how the deals are constructed, how the business relationships are managed, that process component. And then there's the people component and really thinking carefully about the people component. And so Harvard, you know, did a study that looked at people who did commercial business transactions. What they found in this study was that about 30% of those transactions 
that decision to do that deal, which was about money, this isn't touchy-feely stuff, this is just money, 30% of those decisions were made off of some sort of reason, logic, or analysis. 70% were not. 70% was emotion. And when you dig into emotion, the number one emotional trigger was, how do I feel about myself? And so what that translates to is ego. And so if you want to be a really sophisticated business person, how is it that you make someone feel better about themselves buying your product? And that's why we see all these luxury brands do really, really well. They don't necessarily necessarily sell added value, but they sell a sense of self and an elevation of self. And that's why they do so well. And so I want people to tap into that and understand how to create that dynamic using the negotiation process. Because what happens is, is that in moments where your product fails, where it doesn't deliver what you promised, or um, something happens with respect to your service that didn't go just right. If you get those other two pieces of what I call the satisfaction triangle right, the process component and the people component, people will forgive you when the process isn't ab- or the product isn't absolutely perfect. And that's a good place to be from a business standpoint. John, thanks for coming in today. This has been fun. I, I really would say. Top three, in the 30 years I've been reading business books, I would say top three business books I've ever read. In terms of what, in terms of how it actually, you know, I've been, I've read books that have gotten me more excited Uh and, you know, that sort of stuff. Uh, This book has actually built my business, I think, arguably more than any book I've ever read. Well, that's the goal is I want it to be something practical that over the course of two hours, someone can read it and hopefully be equipped out of that to positively impact their business for the rest of their careers. All right, John, where can people find out more about you? LowryGroup.net. L-O-W-R-Y. L-O-W-R-Y group.net. If you go to LowryGroup.net forward slash book, there'll be lots of information about the book, uh, where to get it and all of that. But if you want to know about all of the different work we do from speaking to training to actually getting involved in negotiations on behalf of people. Yeah, all if you've that, got something pressing right now and you need a, you need a mediator, Sure. You've done a lot of that. A lot of that. Get involved in a lot of negotiations and coach and counsel people through those deals and eager to help people with some of the challenging transactions that they just need a, uh, a source that they can turn to that will help them and be in their corner. All right, coaches. The book is called Negotiation Made Simple. You can grab it on Amazon. Uh, you can also go to negotiationmadesimple.com. Find out a little bit more about John Lowry. I recommend picking up the audio book and listening to it a couple times as you drive around. You'll be amazed at how much it helps you negotiate with clients, but then it helps you coach clients on how to negotiate themselves. One of the greatest additional values you can offer in terms of your data pool and your intelligence about the way business works. You're going to use this book every day. I don't get a piece of this book. I wish I did get a piece of this book, but I highly recommend reading Negotiation Made Simple. Well, John, thank you so much. Will you come back when you write another one? Absolutely. Let's do it. I'm grateful for John Lowry. He's taught me an enormous amount about negotiation. And I mean what I say about uh, that being one of the best books I've ever read. I, I mean that in the sense that it's helped me grow my business the most. I, I'm, I'm trying to be honest and think about a book that's done even more than that. I, I can't think of one. Uh, so go out and get Negotiation Made Simple uh, if you want to have the same experience I've had with it, which has been amazing. Okay, at the end of every episode, I give you a plan of action from today's conversation. These are the main takeaways you can immediately implement 
to strengthen and grow your business. Today's plan of action is really simple. I want you to understand whether you are in a competitive or, or cooperative negotiation. That's it. So, so whenever you find yourself in a negotiation, or if you are in one now, ask yourself, is this a competitive negotiator or is this a cooperative negotiator? I, I'm going to tell you why in just a second, but let me let me back up and say, from my perspective, again, what, a, what competitive is and what cooperative is. Competitive is win-lose. They want to win, and they need you to lose in order to feel like they won. They need you to suffer or pay more than you are able to pay before they feel like they won. They, they need to look at you lying on the mat in the ring and knowing they've knocked you out. That is what they need. And, and we all can think of political figures and all that kind of stuff who are competitive negotiators. A cooperative negotiator is really more the meet in the middle kind of person. You know, here's what I want. Here's what you want. Where can we compromise and get this deal done? If you are a win-win negotiator and you find yourself negotiating with a competitive negotiator and you use win-win strategies, you will lose. You will absolutely lose every single time. So it's very important for people who are wired like me as win-win negotiators, always looking to deliver a win and get something for myself in the process. That's how I built my entire business. I'm looking to deliver a win to the customer, and then I want something out of the deal too. That's how I start. If I go into a negotiation without realizing this person is a competitive negotiator, I will get my shorts handed to me because they they have no interest in compromising or coming up with a deal. And because of that, the second I realize it, which by the way only takes about a second, you you, you just smell it. You know this person is in... I completely change tactics. So you the first thing you want to do is understand whether you are in a competitive or cooperative negotiation. That is the only step I want to give you on the plan of action because the next thing that's going to happen is you're going to say, well, what do I do next? If I'm in a competitive negotiation, what do I do next? If I'm in a cooperative negotiation, what do I do next? And that's going to cause you to go research a little bit about negotiation. The best way you can do that is listen to the audiobook, uh, Negotiation Made Simple, and understand a little bit more of it. I, I don't get any money from anything John does, but he's a friend, and I know that that book has helped me tremendously. So really do go and listen to the book. It'll take you about, I don't know, maybe three hours, probably a little bit less to get through the entire book. If you listen to it at one and a half speed like I do, you're going to get through it in 90 minutes to two hours. It's going to be great. But competitive or cooperative, what sort of negotiation am I in? If you know that, Everything else almost takes care of itself as long as you know how to manage the process. All right, friends, thank you as always for listening to the Business Made Simple podcast, where we are absolutely obsessed with helping you grow your small business. I'll see you again next week.